last time we spoke, General Homa had finally neutralized Luzon. Well, except for Corregidor, that is. He felt capable of invading some more of the southern Philippine islands, and he took the Visayans with ease. Having taken them, he could now conquer Mindanao. Alongside this, in the Dutch East Indies, a large-scale mop-up operation was performed by the N Expeditionary Force against many of the Dutch-held islands. The Japanese were pressing ever closer to Australia, trying to cut its supply route with America, when disaster struck. James Harold Doolittle and his force of 16 B-25s performed the famous Doolittle Raid against the Japanese home islands. Due to this humiliation, Admiral Yamamoto decided that the destruction of the American carrier fleet was imperative for the safety of Japan and for the success of future operations in the Pacific. Yet for today, we're going to take a big dive back into Burma. This episode is the advance on the Burma Road. Welcome back to the Pacific War Podcast, week by week, and I'm your dutiful host, Craig Watson. But before we can begin, I just want to remind you, this podcast is only made possible through the efforts of Kings and Generals over at YouTube. Perhaps you want to learn a bit more about World War II? Kings and Generals has an assortment of episodes on World War II and much, much more, so go give them a look over on YouTube. So please... Subscribe to Kings and Generals over at YouTube and continue to help us produce this content by checking out www.patreon.com slash kingsandgenerals. And hey, if you're still hungry for some Pacific War content after all that, why don't you give my personal channel a look over at the Pacific War channel at YouTube, where I have episodes ranging from the Opium Wars of the 1800s all the way up to the end of the Pacific War in 1945. Give it a look, it'll mean a lot to me. The last time we were in Burma, Rangoon had just fallen to the Japanese, and the British and Burmese defenders narrowly slipped by them, retreating north along the Irrawaddy River. When the Japanese took Rangoon on March the 8th, they had fulfilled one of their main objectives of the entire Burma campaign, closing one of those pesky supply routes leading to Chiang Kai-shek. Rangoon was the port that took in supplies which would go through over the Burma Road, the last of the Chinese lifelines. The Japanese needed to take the Burma Road, and Chiang Kai-shek warned his allies if this occurred, it meant the collapse of the Chinese resistance, and he might have to open truce talks with the Japanese. What also occurred on March the 8th was a Japanese invasion of New Guinea, Lao, and Salamaua. The Japanese were taking more and more islands in the Pacific, building airfields ever closer to Australia, trying to isolate her and strangle her. It looked like the Japanese were pressing towards the Admiralties, Bismarck's, and the Northern Solomon Islands, a direct threat to the line of sea communications between the United States and Australia. The Australian Prime Minister, John Curtin, demanded Churchill return several Australian divisions from the Middle East, refusing Churchill, who was asking that they be diverted for the defense of Burma, a real panic was beginning to take place. After a brief period of consolidation after their capture of Rangoon, 
General Aida rapidly pushed his forces northwards. Four Japanese divisions broadly followed the tracks of the three great rivers, the Irwadi River going west, the Sitang River going through the middle, and the Salawin River going east. Aida's 55th Division pressed northwards along the main Rangoon-Mandalay Road in the direction of Tonggu. In the meantime, Admiral Ozawa's fleet were transporting two more full divisions, the 18th and the 56th, who would arrive in April. The 56th Division was tasked with going east towards Tangji, and the 18th would be held in reserve. General Alexander was tasked with holding Upper Burma as long as possible to cover the oil fields at Yenanyuang and to keep in close contact with the Chinese allies. The 1st Burma Division left Tonggu to take up a position at Prom, reinforcing other British forces there. These forces were the recently formed Burma Corps, commanded by Lieutenant General William Slim. He received other reinforcements from the 1st Battalion of the Royal Inniskillen Fusilier, flown into Magway between the 8th and 13th of March by American bombers. He also got some fighters that left Zigan on March the 12th, with hurricanes from the 67th and 135th Squadrons flying to Akiab to form the Akwing, with the Lysanders of the 1st Squadron, IAF, and the 139th Squadron's Hudsons. The AVG and 17th Squadron flew to Magui to form the Burwing, with a few Lysanders from the 28th Squadron and nine Blemheims from the 45th Squadron. For the Chinese, the CEF commanded by General Stilwell, well, commanded is a strong word, let's call it loosely commanded, while they were taking their own positions in the theater. The 6th Army took a position in the Shan States, the 5th Army along the Burma Road, and the 200th Division of the 66th in Tonggu. Now the 5th and the 6th Armies were considered the best amongst the Chinese, and most sources I've read point out that they were the equivalent of British divisions. Those sources, of course, are British. The British sources also indicate they were inadequately equipped, many poorly trained, but take that with a grain of salt, as these guys had been fighting the Japanese for a very long time, and they were quite battle-hardened. Major General Dai Anan commanded the 200th Division. He decided the city of Tonggu would be the main defensive position of the CEF, and he sent men to take up a position at Ok Twin, which lay just a few kilometers to the south of Tonggu. Dai Anan then sent the 1st Company of the 598th Regiment, a motorized cavalry regiment, to delay the incoming Japanese along the banks of the Kan River. Meanwhile, the rest of the 200th Division was going to dig in at Ok Twin and Tonggu and build up their defenses there. Over at the Kan River, the Chinese forces ambushed the Japanese 143rd Regiment and some cavalry units of the 55th Division. The Chinese made a delaying action for over three days, giving some much-needed time for Ok Twin and Tonggu to build up. At Ok Twin and Tonggu, Dealan had fortifications built up using timber, which was in abundance in the area. The 112th Regiment of the 55th Division made it to Ok Twin and attacked the Chinese 200th Division's positions on March the 22nd. They made very little advance initially, and they were being quite cautious, giving themselves time to bring up their artillery and machine guns to hit the outposts before rushing in with infantry. 
Once their equipment was brought up, they began placing machine gun nets alongside the tree lines, and soon the gunfire was taking many Chinese defenders. The Chinese in return began to establish their own machine gun nests, positioned at angles better prepared to fire into the tree lines. But by March the 23rd, the Japanese artillery was met with further aerial support. The bombardments from land and air hammered the defenders enough to allow the Japanese cavalry to hit the flanks of the Chinese defenders, and by nightfall of March the 24th, they had to make a withdrawal to Tonggu. Now, Tonggu was an ancient walled city and the former capital of the 16th century independent kingdom of Tonggu. At this time, Major General Chenault was taking the remnants of the Flying Tigers out of Burma and onto India. Stillwell, with dismay, wrote in his diary, No air support left now. Indicating how bad things were getting, Stillwell was also facing another major problem. He was finding himself at odds with his troops. He wanted to reinforce the 200th Division with some other divisions from the 5th Army, but his commands were refused. Instead, the men were obeying the orders of Lieutenant General Lo Zhou Ying, who was the real man in charge. To try and explain what's going on, Chiang Kai-shek is the supreme commander of the China Theater, and he appointed Lo as the true commander over the CEF, but ambiguously told Stilwell some gibberish, only giving him symbolic command. To be a bit more specific, Chiang Kai-shek told Stilwell that he had the seal of Kewan Fang, making him commander-in-chief in Burma, but this was a lie. So, the Chinese forces refused to carry out orders from Stilwell until they got clearance from Chiang Kai-shek, just the way he liked it. Being out in the field, Stilwell had no other choice but to begrudgingly cooperate with Luo, and try to convince Chiang Kai-shek to send the 22nd Division and a detachment of the 55th Division to help at Tonggu. Yet, despite his best efforts, Stilwell's demands for reinforcements would arrive far too late, and thus De Alan's men at Tonggu would be facing the Japanese 55th and 56th Divisions alone. As you can imagine, the logistics of having to wait for Chiang Kai-shek to clear any orders made everything quite slow. Not a very ideal situation. As the Chinese forces were retreating from Ok Twin, the IGA 143rd Regiment, with the help of some local Burmese, went through some jungles west of Tonggu and managed to take the lightly defended Kiangeng Airfield, north of Tonggu, and began to encircle the city. Dai Alan was forced to concentrate his forces within the ancient city walls of Tonggu, and he placed his HQ on the eastern bank of the Xitang River, the only viable escape route from the city. On March the 25th, the 55th Division, commanded by Lieutenant General Tadashi Hanaya, and the 56th Division, commanded by Lieutenant General Yuzo Matsuyuma, took up positions to hit Tonggu from the north, west, and south. Dayalan had approximately 8,000 men, while the Japanese numbered 15,000 strong. To add to this, as I mentioned, the Chinese also lacked good equipment. The Japanese commenced the assault, unleashing a very heavy artillery bombardment, a lot of which was targeting the Tonggu-Sitang Bridge, making it impossible for vehicles to get over. 
The Japanese were trying to funnel the Chinese defenders more and more towards the Sitang River, where they could be hindered and potentially trapped for annihilation. During the night, the IGA 143rd Regiment managed to infiltrate the northwestern part of Donggu, and the following day, the 11th Regiment took the southwestern corner. The Chinese attempted counterattacks to dislodge the Japanese in the corners, but failed to do so at the cost of many lives, and this allowed the Japanese to consolidate their position within the western part of the city. For the next few days, the Japanese artillery bombarded the defenders inflicting heavy casualties, but the Japanese were receiving heavy casualties in turn as they pressed closer into the city. Then on March the 26th, the new 22nd Division, led by Major General Liao Yao Xiang, coming from Yi Dashue, hit the northern part of Yonggu, reducing the pressure from the Japanese who had to divert forces of the 143rd to fend them off. In spite of heavy bombardments and strafing attacks, the Chinese defenders fought on from the rubble, repelling the Japanese infantry for three days. Stillwell ordered the 22nd to take an offensive against the Japanese, but they refused and held a defensive position. When he pressed them further, their commander told him he did not hold Kewanfang, despite Stillwell screaming that he did. The commander also told Stillwell that Chiang Kai-shek ordered them never to go on the offensive, to always remain only on the defensive. On March the 28th, the 56th Division had fully established a position and were beginning to send troops north towards the Shan states. And that same night, the 56th took the eastern bank of the Sitang River at Wang Yi and began pressing ever closer to Dai Anan's HQ. If the HQ fell, the 200th Division would be completely encircled and annihilated. Casualties were mounting high, with around 2,000 for the Chinese and 5,000 for the Japanese. Then on March the 29th, Chiang Kai-shek, to Stillwell's fury, ordered the Chinese defenders to withdraw. Both the American and British officers in the region were livid when they heard the Chinese 5th Army was withdrawing its field artillery on March the 29th. To justify his actions, Chiang Kai-shek's protege, Lieutenant General Du Yu Ming said, The 5th Army is our best army because it is the only one which has field guns, and I cannot afford to risk those guns. If I lose them, the 5th Army will no longer be our best. General Dianan organized an orderly withdrawal across the Sitang River, and then he began trekking northwards along its eastern bank. On March the 30th, the battered 200th Division joined the 22nd Division at Yi Daishu, and the Japanese finally occupied the city and ended the hard-fought and costly battle of Tonggu. At this time, Stillwell noted Liao Yao Xiang and Lieutenant General Du Yu Ming have dogged it again, the pusillanimous bastards. Chiang Kai-shek was trying to save one of his best armies, but Stillwell saw it otherwise. Through stupidity, fear, and that defensive attitude, we have lost a grand chance to slap the Japanese back at Tonggu. The basic reason is Chiang Kai-shek's meddling. Needless to say, Stillwell's first experience of dealing with Chinese armies was exasperating for him. 
He found that the Chinese generals were reluctant to move forward without explicit orders from Chiang Kai-shek over in Chongqing. In his own vinegary tone, Stilwell complained of the Chinese generals, saying, I can't shoot them, I can't relieve them, and just talking to them does no good. And for all Stilwell's bitter talk, he would go on to make many blunders of his own. On one occasion, Stilwell lost an entire Chinese division, if you can believe it. He had ordered the 6th Army's 55th Division under the command of Lieutenant General Chen Menwei to advance one day. And the next morning, it disappeared without a trace into some hills. Stilwell wrote that day, There's no trace of it. It's the goddamnest thing I ever saw. Last night, I had a division. Today, there isn't any. Stilwell would go on to demand that Lieutenant General Chun be court-martialed, and Chiang Kai-shek promptly refused. Even General Slim noted of Stilwell's surprise to what occurred that to get a Chinese unit to hold its position was like, quote, It's like enticing a shy sparrow to perch on your windowsill. Regardless, Chiang Kai-shek's priority was to preserve the 5th and 6th armies. It was all too easy for someone like Stilwell to order such armies to attack. China was not his country after all. If Chiang Kai-shek lost such armies, the possibility that the Japanese would invade China by its back door and pincer attack Chongqing was a real threat. And also, advancing, fighting, and retreating had been a pattern of the Second Sino-Japanese War that was seemingly serving the Chinese very well. It had exhausted the Japanese logistical capacity, who were much better equipped than the Chinese, after all. Stilwell simply did not understand this type of warfare, similar to how MacArthur tried to hit the beaches at the offset of the Philippines campaign. It's kind of like one of those situations where someone has a playbook that's a bit outdated or just doesn't serve the situation right, yet they go with it anyways. That's MacArthur and Stilwell right now. At this point in the war, Chiang Kai-shek had a lot of contempt for the British, who he believed were not prepared to fight and were merely using the Chinese and American money to save their colonies for them. In his own words, I am fed up with the British retreat and lethargy. This was a view shared by many Americans, such as Major Frank Merrill, who was acting as a liaison with the British forces in Burma. He described the British effort to Stilwell as, quote, No plan, no reconnaissance, no security, no intelligence, no prisoners. So there was a lot of dysfunction amongst the three allies, as you can see. Meanwhile, the IGA 33rd Division was massing in front of Prom by March the 27th. To try and relieve the CEF, General Alexander sent Brigadier Cohen with three battalions plus one company of infantry, the 7th Hussars Tank Battalion, a battery of artillery, and a company of sapers of the 17th Indian Division to attack the Japanese. They managed to capture Pangd by March the 29th, but they were quickly finding themselves being encircled by the IGA 215th Regiment and 300 men from the new Burma Independence Army. To add to this trouble, the recent Chinese retreat from Tonggu meant more Japanese were pouring towards places like Prom, and these Chinese units were leaving behind many vehicles and other pieces of equipment. 
This led to significant casualties and forced Generals Alexander and Slim to push back all of their forces closer to Prom. Over in Prom, efforts were being made to transport vast stores of supplies and other war equipment to Mandalay. To make matters even worse, the loss of air support after the series of air raids against Magway meant that the British were also evacuating their own aircraft towards Chidekong. Tongu was gone. The forces and defensive lines were weak. So General Alexander met with General Wavell and explained to him the dire situation. Both men agreed that there was no point in holding Prom any longer, but before the British could retreat, the IGA 215th Regiment launched a probing attack on Prom on April the 1st. The attack was so successful, some Indian defenders began a rout, such as the 63rd Indian Brigade, which began to withdraw from the town, causing a domino effect in which all British forces began to pull out of Prome and marched on for Nguyen Chang. By the 2nd of April, the British had taken up a new position on the Alamayo, but General Alexander knew they needed to continue retreating further north. He decided to establish a new line ranging from Minya to Tuanji Duingyi, which sits just in front of Magui by April the 8th. Meanwhile, Stilwell was storming back and forth between Chongqing and the rapidly deteriorating battle line. At noon on April the 1st, Stilwell boarded a plane, and by 2 a.m. on April the 2nd, he was back in Chongqing, where he wrote, Am I the April Fool? From the 19th of March to the 1st of April in Burma, struggling with the Chinese, the British, my own people, the supply, the medical service, etc., etc. Incidentally, with the Japs also. To mirror this, at the very same time, Chiang Kai-shek wrote in his own diary, Nobody understands me but my wife. So, both men were having some really bad weeks. Stilwell furthermore wrote about the Tongu debacle. Through stupidity, fear, and the defensive attitude, we have lost a grand chance to slap the Japs back at Tongu. The basic reason is Chiang Kai-shek's meddling. Chinese politics and military strategy are twisting, indirect, and undercover. The day he wrote that, at midday, Stilwell would go to Chiang Kai-shek and demand to be relieved of his command. I have to tell Chiang Kai-shek with a straight face that his subordinates are not carrying out my orders, when in all probability, they are doing just what he tells them. I know that it must have been difficult for the Chinese to hand the command of their armies to a goddamn foreigner, in whom they can't have much confidence. Well, after this was all said, Chiang Kai-shek was caught in a dilemma. It was true, he had ordered the divisional commander at Tongu to retreat in March, thereby saving the lives of the troops. But Stilwell had shown no intention of retreating, in the face of overwhelming Japanese opposition, might I add. Chiang Kai-shek regarded Stilwell as a rash decision-maker, far too eager to risk his best Chinese troops. On the other hand, he had waited over four years to gain the United States as an ally. He could not afford a full-scale conflict with the senior American commander in the China theater after just four months. 
Chiang Kai-shek consulted with his wife, Song Meiling, who stressed the importance of appeasing Stilwell. Thus, Chiang Kai-shek told Stilwell he would send General Liu Zhou-ying with him back to Burma to personally transmit his orders to the Chinese commanders. In addition, Chiang Kai-shek would accompany them back to make it absolutely clear that he personally endorsed Stilwell's authority over the troops. Stilwell wrote in his diary after this, This is a major victory for me. When you consider their history and experience with foreigners, this is really a handsome gesture that Chiang Kai-shek is making. And so the small entourage flew down to Meimyo in central Burma, including Song Meiling. And in the public, Chinese officers were instructed that Stilwell's orders must be obeyed without question. Thus, with his perceived authority firmly in hand, Stilwell planned to make a stand at Pianmana. By April the 6th, a position would be made there using the 96th Division covered by a very battered 200th Division and the 22nd Division who were being pursued all the while by the IGA 55th Division. Once the Japanese reached Pianmana, the plan was for all three Chinese divisions to launch a counterattack and annihilate them. However, the recent British retreats completely ruined this plan, forcing Stilwell to stop any offensive preparations. Furthermore, General Alexander was requesting a Chinese division be moved to defend Tuangji Duingyi, which Stilwell agreed to, but the Chinese commanders simply ignored. All the meanwhile, General Aida expected the Chinese would seek out a decisive engagement south of Mandalay, so he decided to send the 56th Division east to attempt an encirclement of the defenders. He also sought to take Lashio, while the 18th and 55th Divisions advanced towards Mandalay, and the 33rd went north along the Irwadi to hit the Burma army. To counter the Japanese offensive, Stilwell sent the 93rd Division to reinforce the defenders at Mandalay, but the forces arrived far too late. By April the 17th, Lieutenant General Yuzio Matsuyuma had routed the Japanese while the 33rd Division of General Sakurai was rapidly pressing east. On Burma's western front, General Slim commanding the 1st Burma Division counterattacked Aida's 33rd Division with his Gurkha troops, winning an engagement at the Battle of Kokugawa. This was to be the only British victory in the whole of their retreat from Burma. However, southwest of Mandalay at Yanang Yuang was the center of Burma's oil industry, and General Slim found his forces were being quickly encircled by the faster-moving IGA forces who were using their usual flanking operations. General Slim's 7,000 men were trapped in Yanang Yuang, and he ordered the burning of Yanang Yuang's oil fields while sending word to General Alexander that his men were trapped, and he required some rescue. This prompted General Alexander to plead with General Liu Zhouying for assistance. General Liu Zhouying refused the matter, but Lieutenant General Sun Li Qian, commanding the 38th Division, took his own initiative and performed a counterattack with only 1,100 men of his 113th Regiment. When General Slim found out about the Chinese counterattack, he gave them support using the 7th Armored Brigade with some M3 Stuarts. 
All of this accumulated into what is known as the Battle of Yenang Yuang. Lieutenant General Fitzpatrick viewed the scene as Chinese troops swept forward, stating, It was a spectacular show of Sir Bali, trained and drilled Chinese army moving like clockwork, to the buggling and signaling of the boys and the calls of commanders. The Chinese force had appeared seemingly out of nowhere, carrying an assortment of weapons using large bandwagons moved by animals. One British liaison officer referred to the force as Genghis Khan's horde. On the morning of April the 18th, the Burmese were being outflanked by the IGA's 215th Regiment from the south while the Chinese 38th Division and Slim's 7th Armored Brigade tried to push the Japanese further east. By the late afternoon, the Chinese had made continuous counterattacks, repelling the 214th Regiment and fought into the city of Yenang Yuang. This allowed the trapped 1st Burma Division to escape from the city by April the 19th. In spite of Sun's intervention, which enabled the 1st Division to escape intact, the result was a four-day engagement that ended with a Japanese victory by April the 20th. The British further retreated and Major General Scott's 1st Burma Division lost around 1,000 troops. Scott himself collapsed from exhaustion and had to be carried by a bullock cart while Brigadier Rutten was assumed command during the absence, and he died of heat exhaustion. The Japanese official history made a note of this event, stating, The enemy's fighting spirit suddenly collapsed. He abandoned his vehicles, and he retreated northwards. Soon, he went to pieces. It was a rout. However, despite the rout that the Japanese had performed, over 1 million gallons of oil was denied to the Japanese at Yenan Yuang. After the war, the oil company unsuccessfully tried to sue General Slim for the damages. I thought that was kind of cute. General Alexander was immensely grateful for the extrication of troops, and he would reward Sun by pinning the ribbon of Companion of the British Empire on his chest, much to the delight of Sun, who, Alexander said, he left us beaming all over his face. Alexander himself would receive a severe reprimand from King George VI for decorating a Chinese soldier without the royal authority. I just want to take a moment here to talk about General Sun. He's a very interesting character. He was born in Anhui province, and he participated with the scouts of Tiananmen Square as a member of the May 4th movement. Ironically enough, I am currently writing about the May 4th movement for my own channel. Anyways, this was a uh, student worker-led protest against the Chinese government and their weak response to the Treaty of Versailles. Sun later studied engineering at Tsinghua University in Beijing, where he became a baseball star. He won a scholarship to study in America, and he graduated from Purdue University in Indiana. After a few years, he gave up civil engineering, and he enlisted into the Virginia Military Academy, graduating in 1927. As a colonel fighting the Japanese during the Second Sino-Japanese War, he was wounded at the Second Battle of Shanghai. Some fragments of a grenade remained lodged in his body for the rest of his life because of this. He earned the Blue Sky White Sun Medal of the Republic of China for this also, and he ended up becoming one of Stilwell's principal commanders. Sun would earn the sobriquet title Rommel of the East for his aggressive stance. 
An American missionary surgeon named Gordon Seagrave described General Sun as tall, handsome figure, looking much younger than his years, who treated his troops with unusual courtesy and consideration. Well, the reason I'm fangirling over this general is just because the performance of General Sun and Chiang Kai-shek's armies, for that matter, in general should have paid to the lie that the Chinese could not fight something the British and Americans would often say at this time period. Compared to the British, the Chinese had the advantage of experience in fighting the Japanese. As Lieutenant General Chen Minhui of the Sixth Army said to Governor Dorman Smith, We are sorry for you. You have been defeated so often, but don't lose heart. Look at us. We now know all about war, as we've been fighting the Japanese for the last 10 years. You too will learn if you stick to it. It seems what the Chinese understood, and people like Stilwell did not, was that a fighting retreat when faced by a superior enemy preserved one's fighting capability. By contrast, to tacitly perform all the aggressive offensives Stilwell advocated for might mean complete annihilation. And so the 1st Burma Division fought its way out of the Japanese encirclement with Sun's help but transportation for the British troops was all but lost. It was going to be a long walk back to safety. The actions taken in front of Mandalay proved to be brutal. The British reported during this part of the Burma campaign that 59 suicides and dissertations had occurred in a single British unit after it was ordered to move forward. However, the road to Lashio was wide open. The CEF had withdrawn to Hopong, southeast of Mandalay, and General Dehanan ordered the 200th Division towards Tangji to stop the Japanese advance on Lashio. The Allies scored a minor victory in driving the Japanese out of the town during the Battle of Hopong Tangjiwan. Stilwell was largely instrumental in this success by taking personal command of the attack. As General Slim noted, It was a magnificent achievement only made possible by Stilwell's personal leadership with the very front units. However, Chiang Kai-shek was becoming increasingly unhappy with what he considered to be Stilwell's recklessly aggressive offensive tactics. It did not help very much that Stilwell had grossly underestimated the size of the IHA advancing forces, being completely unaware that the 18th Division was in Burma at all. Chiang Kai-shek wrote, I know that I've sacrificed a great deal for nothing, for the sake of this plan of the Americans and British, but now I do have to stick it out to the end. Chiang Kai-shek was bitterly disappointed by the performance of the British army in Burma, and Stilwell's aggressive tactics. Thus, he would eventually decide to cut his losses, and he ordered his troops to pull back into western China. Stilwell's written assessment of the situation was pretty typical. Riot amongst the British soldiers at Yanang Yuan? British destroyed the oil fields? Good God, what are we fighting for? Despite the minor victory at clearing the Japanese out of Tangji, the 148th Regiment entered Lashio that same very day, and the Burma Road had now technically fallen into the hands of Lieutenant General Yuzio Matsuyama's 56th Division. Some 10,000 tons of Lend-Lease supplies could not be shipped 
to China in time and had to be destroyed, while another 44,000 tons of supplies were estimated to have fallen into Japanese hands. The Chinese, British, and Americans all knew the situation in Burma was one of immediate danger. If all of them did not pull out, they risked losing the entire theater. They had to pull out, regroup, and plan for a counterattack. As Louis Allen, who fought in the Burma campaign, put it, Deprived of a supply port at Rangoon, then of its source of fuel at Yanang Yuang, the question was no longer whether to retreat, but where to. A new battle of wills began between Stilwell and Chiang Kai-shek. Stilwell ordered Du Yuming to lead his 5th Army troops not back to China, but rather to India. Chiang Kai-shek was aghast at the news that his chief of staff had ordered a substantial part of his army into another country. Chiang Kai-shek quickly reversed that order and told Du Yuming to bring his troops to the northern Burmese town of Mietkinya. Chiang Kai-shek then received reports that Stilwell was leaving Burma for India, along with his closest staff. Chiang Kai-shek was shocked. How could this man be abandoning the troops supposedly under his control? One does not expect this of one's military advisor. Could it be that because of the battle, his nerves have given way? The Allies knew by mid-March of 1942, their forces in Burma were not going to be able to stop the Japanese advance. They also knew they had to delay the Japanese until May, at minimum, because this was going to be the month in which the monsoon season was expected. The Allies assumed the Japanese would not be capable of continuing their advance in the monsoon season. By April the 26th, General Alexander made the decision to withdraw all the men to India. And thus, the great race to get out of Burma began. I would like to take this time to remind you all that this podcast is only made possible through the efforts of Kings and Generals over at YouTube. So please, subscribe to Kings and Generals over at YouTube and continue to help us produce this content by checking out www.patreon.com dot com slash kings and generals and hey if you're still hungry after all that for some more pacific war content why don't you give my personal channel a look at the pacific war channel over at youtube and for all of you at the discord for kings and generals i took a ton of your questions about the pacific war and i did make some episodes trying to answer them such as what if the japanese won the battle of midway come check it out Rangoon and Lashio have fallen, and with them, the Burma Road is now in the hands of the Japanese. The Allies are abandoning Burma in haste as Vinegar Joe and Chiang Kai-shek shared their personal feelings about another in colorful diaries. All is doom and gloom. Will the Allies be able to take back Burma? Well, find out soon.